Welcome to Grandstanding on Yahoo Sports. I am Jay Busby. That is Kevin Kaduk. That over there is Frank Schwab. After six god-awful, boring, multi-possession games, we were finally rewarded yesterday with two really, really good games. Well, one outstanding game and then one game that was close just because of circumstance more than anything else. But still... Any game that you got, any playoff game you got to be watching in the last uh, thirty seconds to see which way it tips. That's a quality game. Indeed. Well, let's not let's not bury the lead here, Jay. What was Georgia Dome like on Saturday? Georgia Dome it was sounded awesome. It insane. sounded like. Yeah, it sounded great. Yeah, Georgia Dome was really, really. I, I was very pleased with my uh, Atlanta brethren here. The, the Georgia Dome was extremely loud. Everybody seems very fired up about Aaron Rodgers. It's kind of a careful what you wish for kind of thing. I know, but. Uh, but everybody's looking forward to a chance to, to send the Georgia Dome, the unlamented Georgia Dome, out one more time with a win. <laughs> Should we just replay our 10-minute discussion about the Georgia Dome from the last podcast? Well, you know, <laughs> considering we're the three people we've spent more time talking about the Georgia Dome than anybody else in Atlanta, I think we're good on that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fans don't get um, – sometimes it seems like fans of, indoor, that, of teams that play in indoor stadiums never really get their due. Um, but I, you look at the, the atmosphere that Atlanta had and then the atmosphere that Jerry Dome had yesterday, yeah. like, you know, that, I don't know if that's fair, but for some reason people just undercut it. It's like, if, if you are not layered up and wearing snowmobile seat suits and camo gear, we don't care about you, but that's not the case. No, it's, and it's going to be great for next Sunday in the Georgia Dome too. I mean, it's. What a game! What a fun! What a fun final four! This is this is really four really interesting teams. I'm excited for it. And I, yeah, I, I assume though that the flashbacks to 2010 are going to start in Atlanta pretty soon because I just, <laughs> I mean, everybody remembers just the Falcons just getting torched by Aaron Rodgers, and he might be playing better now than he was then. Literally within minutes after the game finished, Jeff Schultz, writer for the General Constitution, buddy yeah. of mine, posts a story saying. You're going to start here at about 2010. Here's why it's different. It listed a whole bunch of reasons. This Falcons oh, yeah. team is better. Blah, but that. but yes, you're right. That's going to be it's going to be way heavily on people's minds. Well, and of, of course, if this is the 2000, you know, the similar to the 2010 Packers season, the Steelers are also waiting there as a possible yep. Super Bowl uh, opponent. What are the odds you think we're sitting here next Monday talking about a uh, Packers Steelers Super Bowl? Um. Twenty-five percent. I mean, we're talking about so two literally one in four dogs going on the road and winning and a championship weekend. It's not easy. So you think every you think every single uh, possible permutation has an equal chance of happening? Oh no, I guess I didn't mean that. Uh, <laughs> Frank was told there would be no man. I, I, I was thinking like seventy-five percent no, twenty-five percent yes, whatever. I, I think it's a small percentage, I, I, right? Like uh, it's still even though New England didn't look good on Saturday night. Still tough to imagine anybody winning there, and the the Falcons are good. Like there, I think um, like a, there are a lot of football fans who had not seen the Atlanta Falcons play all season. They hadn't really played in prime time. They hadn't, except on a Thursday night at Tampa. I think that was their one prime time game that I remember. And a lot of people just hadn't. They hadn't been featured a lot. And then all of a sudden, I think people were watching Saturday, watching them just pick apart the Seattle Seahawks. And, Which I said would happen, by the way. I said that would yeah. happen. They did. Like I'm shocked. I, I look. The Seahawks are, are a championship pedigree team. Like they're not bad, and they got torched. They. I mean, from the that opening drive, I thought, oh wow, okay, the Seattle's showing up. And from then on, it was all Falcons, all of it. I mean, it, they just looked so good in that game. It's. I, I was really, really impressed. I'm I, almost I mean, like the point where they could win it all. I mean, there's no question they could win it all. 
Watching those games, I'm almost a little bit more, um, I, I shouldn't say that, but I am interested in the uh, three of the four teams that lost. I don't care about the Texans. Like, they did whatever. They've got their own issues to deal with. Yeah. We'll see what happens. They're tied to Osweiler for another year, probably. Whatever. But you've got a Seattle team that right now you have to say, okay, where are they at in terms of their dynasty? They made two Super Bowls in a row, um, but the last couple of years, you know, haven't haven't been there. Um where are they going? Where are the Cowboys going? Can you consider this season a success after going thirteen and three a year after four and twelve, and you just picked up two cheap stars and your offensive line is is a dominant unit? And then um, and then the Kansas City Chiefs, which this completely blew me away. You may have seen me tweet this, but in Sam Mellinger's column, he pointed out there have been four times in the Chiefs' history where they've gotten a first round bye. In those four years, their record is thirty and two at home. In those four years, their record in those playoff games in which they got a bye to earn that first home playoff game is 0-4. That's ungodly. terrible losses, too. And they're bad losses. It's not like, oh, you ran into the Aaron Rodgers buzzsaw and whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they ran into like the the, the Peyton Manning buzzsaw in two thousand four, yeah. but that was still a really good Chiefs team too. I mean, they, they that would not have been an upset had the Chiefs beat beat Peyton Manning no. that year. No, no, I think uh, they had to be favored. And the thing about it, the thing about those three teams is the Cowboys. I mean, Dak Prescott. What more can you say? Like he was unbelievable. We all worried that he would be too too big for the stage to be too big no no it wasn't Dak Prescott's gonna be really good I think he he legitimized everything he did so you you feel good about them the Seahawks you just say well you know what the, the core is still here we can make one more run at it the Kansas City Chiefs what do you do do, do you just run it back and say well I, I, let's try it again I I, I don't know like I don't, I don't, it really almost feels to me like they are they have some sort of Boston Red Sox level playoff curse because they haven't been to a Super Bowl in like 46 47 years right. but they've been, they haven't been terrible over those 47 years they've had good teams yep. and for whatever reason they get in the playoffs and I mean losing when you don't allow a touchdown but you give up six field goals <laughs> It's weird. Losing it's when you weird. don't force a punt against the Colts, losing when uh, Lynn Christie, you know, misses a chip shot Lynn field goal. Lynn, Lynn Elliott, I'm sorry, Lynn Christie. No, sorry. Christie's a sprinter, right? Yeah, Lynn uh, for Christie. Sure. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Against that, Bron- against that Broncos team. I, well, how could you expect him to make this? So, <laughs> you look at the Chiefs. I, one, I feel badly for for their fans, many of who I consider friends. Um, like, how does this happen? And. It just sucks. Like, I, I actually, I did my NFL on nine day on, on the Cowboys. I said, look, you, you know, you lost an epic playoff game. It was a flip of the coin. These things happen. It sucks. But you have a lot to look forward to. Yep. I can't say the same thing to the Chiefs because they've been in this position before. Um, I mean, we remember the, the game two or three years ago where they were up big on the Colts in Indianapolis. <laughs> just completely folded one of, one of the, oh, the worst yeah. playoff collapses ever. Time after time, they just line their fans up and kick them square in the nuts. And this yeah. is a and case I, I where just, you've got a, a big market versus not not small market, but but big spotlight versus smaller spotlight team. Because if this was if this was Boston, if this was Chicago, if this was New York, they would be wailing about a curse. But when you lay it out like that, yeah, it, it certainly sounds like the Chiefs have got to be one of the most cursed teams in the NFL. I, I think I it has. Know. I think it has to do with the arrowhead on the on their on their side. It's like, <laughs> I think it was probably cursed. Like you know, remember, sure when, remember when the Brady Bunch went to Hawaii and oh Bobby yeah yeah, Greg Trout's back or doing that surfing or whatever. Yeah, oh, that's it. Yeah, uh, I just I don't think it's as cursed as much as it is. They're just not good enough. They're just 
this permeation of the cheese is just they're okay i mean they're they're good enough you were, you were big on them up till up until right now frank come on i know and you look at them in the game, <laughs> he's jumping like, off that bandwagon like he was never there it, it, you know who they are and it's a cross sport reference but they're gonzaga basketball that's who they are they ball out in a regular season and everybody talks themselves including me into gonzaga and their bracket or whatever final four this could be the year and then you watch them and they'll play a team that that's just better than them and you say yeah well this has happened each of the last 15 years so why wouldn't it happen again this year and we just we, every year we try to talk ourselves into a changing and it just doesn't i don't I feel think like, I, I feel like the los angeles clippers of, of recent vintage to me yeah, yeah, they, they, that's another good example. The team is just, it's good enough to get there. It's good enough to kind of be on the fringe of a contender. But when it comes down to it, when you when you actually watch them in the playoffs, like watching them against the Patriots last year, like you never thought they were going to win. Last night, I never thought they were going to beat the Steelers, ever. Like, I mean, I after a, a little while, like I went in thinking they would win. But then, you know, you're watching for like a quarter and you're just like, well, yeah, they're not going to win tonight. Was there any moment in that game when you felt nervous about if you're, let's say you're backing the Steelers, was there ever a moment you felt nervous if you're a Steelers fan? No, they never put any pressure on the Steelers. I just, even if they would have tied it at the end on that, the holding by Eric Fisher. They certainly didn't play like a team that was that had a bye and was playing at home in nope. front of 80,000 fans. I mean, that's nope. for sure. Did they play no, scared? I, I mean, did Frank do a post-mortem on this? Did they play scared? Did they, did, did Andy Reid obviously had that, that one timeout call that could have cost him and ended up not costing them. But uh, what, no. what would you have done differently? I mean, that's the thing. Some some of it was weather. I mean, it just they're off. You know, Tyreek Hill's not going to be running a four two when it's an icy field. Uh, and then I just I, I some of it was being a little conservative. Like there was a point. There's 20 seconds left in the first half, and you're at your I think you're at your own 35. Let's say so you need about 40 yards getting field goal range. There's 20 seconds. Nothing bad is going to happen. You really and and Alex Smith is throwing like eight nine yard passes. It's like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> Let it fly. Who cares if it gets intercepted 40 yards downfield? Then they're just going to kneel and kill the rest of the clock for the first half. So stuff like that. And they just, I, I just don't know if I, yeah. I hate to do this because it's just such a cliche, but I just don't know if Alex Smith is good enough to do it. I just, I, I think he's just the good enough quarterback. He's good enough to get you there. And he's not good enough to take you the rest of the way. He's not an Aaron Rodgers. He's not a Matt Ryan. He's not a Ben Roethlisberger. He's not a Tom Brady. He's just, he, he's just, He'll get you to a point, and then uh, this is where I leave you. I, you know, I mean, sorry guys, I'm Alex Smith. Like, the best quarterback, the best quarterback in every matchup, won yet again. So everyone, and Alex Smith is never going to be the best matchup in in a, a, a big time playoff game. And that's I hate to do that because I think Alex Smith is is kind of one of those guys you just kick around, and he doesn't always deserve it. But is he? Do you ever envision the Kansas City Chiefs going to a Super Bowl with Alex Smith at this moment? I don't. It's so hard to see it. I mean, <laughs> Alex well, Smith, the, the starter marriage of quarterbacks. But he's not. But he's not bad enough where you can dump him either. He's just good enough. Like, how on earth could you dump Alex Smith after you just won the AFC West and got the two seed? Like, you're not going to do it. I, I mean, there's nobody better than Alex Smith out there who's available. Tony so Romo. you just kind of run it back and hope that I don't know. Like, you already got your home game. <laughs> you didn't. That didn't work. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you do if you're the Chiefs. You're just kind of stuck in no man's land at this point. The Seahawks lost, obviously, to the Falcons in a pretty bad way. And I just realized when we were talking that I'm kind of like the angel of death because I was there when the Seahawks lost last year, too, to Carolina. I was, right. and, and there was a whole different... I didn't go into the Seahawks locker room this time around. I was focused on the Falcons, but apparently Michael Bennett got a little bit hot, got, uh, <laughs> got in the face of a reporter, said a few unfortunate things. 
But what struck me last year against Carolina was how relaxed that locker room was after having just been bounced from the season. I mean, even Pete Carroll was kind of a, huh, well, you know, we didn't play our best. But it makes me wonder how much more time this team has left. You mentioned the core. Obviously, they got Russell Wilson. They got Thomas Rawls. But the, that defense is not getting any younger. The defense is aging by the second. And, and how much? How big is their window remaining? I think it's still open. I, I, I mean, Could the Seahawks win a Super Bowl next year? Sure, why not? But I, they need to fix that offensive line so badly. And how do you do that? Like, I mean, it's it's easier said than done. There's no tackles available in free agency this year. It's a bad group. You, the, the draft isn't very good for that. They, they drafted a kid in the first round this year who didn't play very well. It just it's and, and you're stuck with a lot of big salaries. So it's not like you just go on a spending spree. Uh, I don't know. The Seahawks have to somehow fix the line. I'm not sure how they do it. It's going to kill them every year until they fix it. So, uh, yeah, the Seahawks are at a crossroads for sure. But I do think, you know, they, they still have the quarterback. They still have a good coaching staff. They still do, I think, have two years out of that defense still before Averill and Bennett and Sherman and these guys slow down a little bit. So I, I still think the window's open. And the NFC West isn't that good either. But, yeah, you never know. You just – look, we, we wouldn't have ever guessed that the Panthers were going to go 6-10 and 10 a year ago right now. So who knows when it closes. Yeah, you never know. Someone said that in in, in uh, response to my Cowboys thing, like, "Oh, the Panthers thought maybe it was great getting the Super Bowl and reload." And you know, I picked the Panthers to go to the Super no to win the Super Bowl this year, and we saw how that turned around. I mean, with the Cowboys, you had a team that played like uh, third or fourth easiest schedule, and that's going to flip, and they're going to be playing like the ninth or tenth toughest next year. So. And the uh, NFC is not out. bad at all. The NFC East is pretty good, actually. It should. I mean, I don't see any reason the Giants won't be good next year. Redskins will be fine as long as Cousins comes back. The e- Eagles showed some things this year. They should get a little bit better. I mean, it's it's a tough division, and yeah, it's it's no there's no guarantee in the NFL unless you're unless you're New England Patriots or yeah. on the opposite end of the spectrum, the Cleveland Browns. Everybody but you still, you still need pieces, and you still need cost-control pieces. I mean, part of the reason that oh. Seattle was able to, to mount up so quickly is because Russell Wilson was costing six hundred grand a year. Right. A and Dak so. is, I mean, Dak is a gift from God when it comes to that. I mean, he's – and I, who knows? I mean, look, it, we, we talked about RG3 after his rookie year. Like, he's never going to be bad. This is just how – RG3 is going to be yeah. the next superstar. Well, someone also said that, too. <laughs> Everyone said – coming off that RG3 is RG3 and Alfred Morris. Let's let's ride this for the next decade in D.C. Right. Of course, that didn't happen. So. It didn't happen. So you just never know. And I don't I don't believe Dak is going to fall off. I mean, it, there's no reason to believe he will. He's, he's an excellent – I mean, yesterday kind of – and I was even on the fence a little bit about him. I, I'm not anymore. He was awesome in that game. Like, it w- th- there were times when it was like, okay, Dak is going to need to make a play. It's third and 17, and he hits Witten for 18. It's like, wow, this, this guy's a rookie playing in the biggest game of his life. <laughs> I mean, he's just calm and making plays, and you assume that he's going to be just fine next year. But, again, you just never know, and it's it's such a disappointment for the Cowboys to let this opportunity pass again. It did in 2007. It did this year. Uh, it did two years ago with the you know Des caught at play, and it's just you just never know. You just, it could come and go in the NFL so fast. There are only two teams in the NFC who haven't been in a conference title game um, longer than the Cowboys, and that's Detroit and Washington. Oh, Every wow. other NFC team has made made the title game since the Cowboys last did yeah, it right. in 1996. Wow. That's that's yeah, crazy. Like I, I I I was shocked when I saw that when I saw that. The last time the Cowboys made a, a conference title game was January '96. I was like, wow. I was like, I was going back and looking because I was, I was like 
trying to, you know, if the Cowboys were going to win, I was going to say, hey, let, let's party like it's 1995. The Cowboys are back in the title game. These are things that happened in 1995. It was Curtis Martin's rookie year. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 So, Jerry Cowboys, Price I mean, is still leading the league in, in receiving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Brett Favre was, I mean, Brett Favre was like in his fourth year in the league. I mean, we were it's unbelievable. It was a long time ago. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't, know, so what a, we didn't know what a Star Wars prequel was. It was a nice time <laughs> to be alive. Batman Forever was number one at the box office. Stupid comic book movies. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about the winners here. And we're obviously going to run into a bigger preview type podcast later this week. Um, but, Jay, you actually did a fun video for our social channels about just the four quarterbacks that are left and it's a great group is everyone here going with aaron Rodgers? if if you had to pick among the four and oh, let's yeah. See. yeah of the quarterbacks quarterback oh yeah if yeah. you've got yeah if you've got a quarterback with you what's know, a better question to ask off that then two well, quarterback what quarterback well, the team's gonna win i guess i mean it well, doesn't matter i mean just because packers had the best quarterback doesn't mean they're gonna win when's the last time i mean it's pretty rare throughout nfl history when the best quarterback wins the super bowl it really is it's not a it's not like it's happened 47 out of 50 times so it's there's no guarantee the packers go to the super bowl but yeah rogers is i mean this is i guess the question is is Aaron Rodgers the greatest quarterback you've ever seen well, you phrase it like this, you know, down four on your own I mean, 20. You've got to get, uh, you got two minutes to get into the uh, opposing end zone. Who do you take over Rodgers? Nobody. All right. It's, un- I mean, that throw he made to Cook was, I, I hope people realize how good that was. I mean, he is, I, he just, he kind of just flicks the wrist and it's a, a hundred mile an hour fastball and Cook catches it literally in the split second window. He has to catch it to get his feet inbounds. It's a great catch too. And it's like, what do you do? Well, how do you defend that? I I, I don't even know how. I, he was just that the first uh, touchdown throw he made to Richard Rodgers, which barely got through that window in Sean through, through Sean Lee's arm to to make the touchdown. I mean, he's just so locked in. And so okay, so I, he hasn't yeah. had the best career of any quarterback ever. That's Tom Brady, but. On an uh, individual game by game basis, when Aaron Rodgers is at his peak, I've never seen it. I don't know that I've seen a more dominant quarterback. He just he does everything at a at just a plus level. Make the case for him over Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, or is is it the pocket manipulation? Is it the visions yes. and and the arm and the way he's able to throw on the move and the fact that he I don't think he's had the teams that those guys have had either I mean I I don't know that he's ever had a receiver as good good as Marvin Harrison or a a receiver as good as Randy Moss like like Brady did or a coach as good as Bill Belichick or I just look Peyton Manning it was great and Tom Brady was great but I think it and at Rogers' absolute peak, he could take a game over like those guys can't. Like, it's just he. It just feels like you could stick him with when he's on his. You know, he's up and down, and he's a little inconsistent the last few years. But when when he's on, when he's just locked in like he is right now, it just feels like you could put him on any team in the NFL and they're going to win. Like you could put him on the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Browns <laughs> in the AFC. That would be that would be a lot of fun. That is so. I mean, he is just. He sees things like I, I was, you know, I was doing the co-producing the Greg Cosell piece last week on Rodgers and some of the plays that Greg, you know, kind of singled out were just like, how does this guy see the game this quickly? There's a play and I think we talked about last week, the Devonte Adams goes down the right sideline. 
and the Giants had disguised their coverage, and they switch at the snap, like literally at the snap. Aaron Rodgers has a three-step drop, and at the end of his third step, he has recognized the defense, knows where to go with the ball, and hits Devontae Adams on stride. It's like, how do you defend it? How? Like, he's – I've never seen a quarterback – at this high of a level. I mean, he's just unbelievable when he's on his game. Not only that, there's two halves to every Aaron Rodgers play. There's there's when he's in the pocket, and he and if he doesn't take advantage then, then he gets out, and he's he's able to run around and, and keep the ball alive long enough that his receivers can get open. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's two separate could, opportunities. And he could throw on the move going right or left. I mean, he was moving left yesterday, which is a tough throw, and he just throws a laser, laser to cook. I mean, that's that is a tough throw. Not everybody can do that, and it's it's he's pretty unbelievable. And uh, you know, I don't I don't know the means they're going to beat Atlanta because Atlanta's a really good football team. But he's he, uh, it's it's fun to watch him play when he's on like this. So yeah, I, I picked the Patriots and Falcons when we reset the picks going in. I still think I like the Falcons because it's at Atlanta. And, you know, the way that Matt Ryan is playing and you've got Julio Jones and I just think that, you know, they've got the upper hand. Jay, do you feel that way or do you still feel that that other shoe uh, waiting to just drop like most Atlanta <laughs> sports fans do? Yeah, you know, you'll, the, that other shoe is always dangling, but it's a, it's a baby shoe now. It's a little tiny shoe. It's This is as good of a Falcons offense as I have ever seen. And part of it is the fact that, as we talked about earlier, they, they completely rearranged their game plan against Seattle. They were able to come up with a whole new game plan that involved bringing the running backs out of the backfield and having them be receivers as well. And that just absolutely slice Seattle to bits. So if Kyle Shanahan, before he goes off to, to his doom in San Francisco or wherever he right. ends up, is <laughs> able to put together a game plan that can pick apart uh, Green Bay like that, you know, you, you, you understand that Aaron Rodgers is going to drop three to four touchdowns on you. If you're able to drop four to five on him, then you're in much better shape. Yeah, I think that with the, the, what we saw from the Packers' defense yesterday, which wasn't that much, of course, uh, the Falcons, I think, are going to be you know, more than able to move the ball on them. Frank, the question I had for you about Atlanta was how much of this are you attributing to Dan Quinn? This is his second year. And how much are of the success are you giving to Kyle Shanahan? I, I think you got to give Shanahan a lot of credit. I mean, the, the coordinators are the lifeblood. I mean, they're, they're the ones calling the plays, but give Dan Cr- Quinn credit too. I mean, his, his defense has played well enough. I mean, they, they really played pretty well against the Seahawks after that first drive. I think that Dan Quinn has done a good job leading this team, having a vision for it. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know who gets more credit, but Kyle gets a lot. Kyle has done a great job calling this offense doing things that just strategically are tough to defend. I mean, you know, he he's really good at manipulating people with his personnel and at formations and getting, you know, Tevin Coleman in space in a pass game and stuff like that. And he, he's just calling. He's just on fire right now. I mean, he's he's kind of in the zone as an offensive coordinator where and it, and it helps obviously to have multi-talented guys like Devontae Freeman, Julio, Matt Ryan, but he's calling it. He's just seeing it well. He's calling it well. This Green Bay defense is going to have some issues. They don't they don't have a lot in the defensive backfield. They really don't. Ladarius Gunter is, is matching up against Des Bryant and Odell Beckham. And, oh, my goodness, if they match him up against Julio Jones, I mean, I don't know how they cover him. So this is a – it's look, Atlanta's really good. And if they win a Super Bowl, it shouldn't, shouldn't surprise anybody, even though I'm sure before the season, what were they, probably 50-1? to 1? I mean, they nobody thought the Atlanta Falcons were going to be worth anything this year. You didn't put any money on him, Frank. I did not. No, unfortunately. You told me that, that you said going into the season, going into the season, you had money on three, what three teams? It was the Raiders, the Packers, Cowboys, Cowboys. No, Raiders, the Raiders, Cowboys, 
and the uh, Arizona Cardinals, which is the yeah. one of the group. Wah. And then I, yeah, I didn't really. The, the other two are nice uh, long shot picks that you did want not. You want to for some overtime hours, Frank? <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll live. I'll, I'll live. I'll live through it. <laughs> All right, so um, I don't know what, what else kind of struck you from from this weekend. We we had two kind of dogs on. I, I didn't hate the games on Saturday. I didn't feel no, like. I, yeah. I mean, that Texans game was just inevitable. But do we think that the Patriots are a little vulnerable? Because I watched that game like they just they just played a terrible team. Like they, I, as I wrote, like the lead of my post on Saturday night was a better team might have beat the New England Patriots, and I I believe that they played bad like i it's crazy to say that for an 80 point win but i never felt at any point in that game like wow the patriots are really really good they just struggled through that game tom brady completed like 46 percent of his passes and the defense was just okay it was solid and, and the run game never got going and they made mistakes you don't see from the patriots do we think the patriots are vulnerable like they did play i think the easiest schedule in the nfl this year well frank how much how much uh, stock do you place in composure because i know that you and cosell do a uh, chess masters grandmasters reading of of routes and and uh, schemes and so forth but brady more than I'd seen him in a while, seemed to lose his composure this time around. He's getting knocked on his ass by Jadavian Clowney. He's throwing interceptions. It, you know, he always whines to the refs, but there seemed to be something a always little different says. this time around. So was there I, I do you place any, any stock in that? Uh, I think he just, that's who he is. He just manipulates the refs, and he's going to do that. And for some reason, he, he enjoys that. I don't know why. Goodness knows. But I, I, think, I think that was why he was... They didn't protect him. He got hit a lot. And we don't talk about Tom Brady's toughness very often, but like in that AFC Championship game last year, and the Broncos just beat him up, and he still led them to the late touchdown, or even on Saturday night. He got yeah. he took a lot of hits, and they didn't protect well at all. And now you wonder, like, can the Steelers get this kind of pressure against him? Is he? Is there any you know carryover? I don't know. I mean, maybe they're finally missing Gronk a little bit. I, it wouldn't surprise me if the Patriots won by 21 next week. But I watched that game, and I wasn't impressed with the Patriots at all. And I don't know if that was just a one-off or, or if that's something to be worried about. I, th- I think it's going to be a good game. I mean, we have a tendency to make the Patriots seem like you know, they're a team that's won 15 Super Bowls in a row, and that's not the case. They've lost AFC title games before. They've lost AFC title games at Foxborough. It's definitely possible. And I think when you look at at the Steelers and what some of the things they could they can do, and I mean the way that you know Bell just wore down the Chiefs. Yeah, they were only scoring yeah. field goals, but they scored six of them. So yeah, I, I mean the the amazing thing about the Steelers, and this happened late in the year. It wasn't something that happened just starting the playoffs. Is they turned their entire offense over to Le'Veon Bell, and they just feel like he can carry it 27, 28, 30 times a game, and it's okay. And that they just decided this is the way we're going to win a Super Bowl. And you know what? They might be right. Like he is dominant. I the, the offensive line is playing well, and I, I don't know. Like I know it's been said eight million times during the broadcast or whatnot, but he just is so he's so patient. He he just gets behind that line. He waits for the hole, and then he just accelerates like nobody else. And it's crazy. You look at that Pittsburgh team though, and and they're coming to this game with more blue chip talent. You know, for whatever you want to make that phrase. Yeah. And they just line it up. I mean, why why don't the Steelers have a good shot to win? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I guess it's it's the Brady factor. Brady is better than Roethlisberger. I don't care if and Belichick is better than Tomlin. Yes, yes. And when it, you know, we just talked about hey, the 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 four best quarterbacks won the the last weekend's games. Well, the best quarterback in this game is Tom Brady, and the best coach in this game is Bill Belichick. So, and they're at home. 
And, you know, I mean, the Steelers have not, I think they've lost seven of their last nine against the Patriots, something like that. They, it's not like they've fared really well against New England. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of this game yet because the Steelers are playing really good football and they do. You're right. They have enough high end talent, especially on offense to make the plays to kind of win this game. But it's, it's it just, it does seem like a coin flip right now. I, even though it's, a, I know the Patriots are favored by six. I don't know. I, I it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers won. I wouldn't be surprised if New England won big. It's it's really tough to tell yet. So what would be the most surprising matchup overall? Steelers-Packers? I don't think it can be a surprising matchup at this point. I get, I mean, because Steelers-Packers are both underdogs, but we wouldn't be totally shocked if the Steelers won. We wouldn't be totally shocked if the Packers won. I think this is just four really, really good teams, and any combination that comes out of it is going to make for a good Super Bowl. I, you know, any kind like the the – Falcon Steelers would be a great Super Bowl. I mean, we'd get up and down and, and great offense, and we're going to get two great quarterbacks no matter what happens and great storylines. I, I think we're, we're really set up well for a great final three games in the NFL season because you just can't miss. The, these these four teams are really well coached. Again, good quarterbacks. They're on a roll. I think it's the first time in NFL history that every team in this round won each of their last four regular season games. I think I, I read that. So wow. everybody's coming and playing well late. It's it's just a great Final Four. Well, it should be interesting to watch. We'll be back to break it down a little bit more in depth. We'll see how some of these uh, storylines flesh out. I, I think the good thing is we don't have a lot of uh, outstanding injuries out there. I mean, maybe we don't know what Roethlisberger is hiding, but it didn't <laughs> seem like all that much. Um, you never know what anyone's hiding, but uh, but we'll see. So um, looking forward to bringing it down later in the week. Roethlisberger would not surprise me if he's carrying around two broken legs. I mean, he's just, he just just gets <laughs> strapped together. He's like Darth Vader. They just hoist him up and put him it's out. A big old war horse. Exactly. Thanks for listening, everyone. We do appreciate it. We'll be back later on this week. And so for Frank Schwab and Kevin Kadok, I'm Jay Busby. You've been listening to Grandstanding on Yahoo Sports. Catch you soon. 